0: Hey, what's up everybody? Good morning. I uh, wish I was mature enough to not uh, talk about this right here, but if you look in your bulletins, it says that the sermon title is Grace Greater Than Our Sin. So I didn't send anything to the church office for a title. So one of two things happened there. They were like, someone else was going to preach and that was their title. Or they're like, classic Cade. He's going to teach on grace. I know that guy. Greater than our sin, specifically. So um, it's not that I hate grace and I'm like, ah, oh, grace, Mesh, like we ain't talking about that up here. Um, it's just that we're going to go in a different direction this morning. So um, I want you guys this morning, uh, if you don't usually take notes, I'd love for you to, to pull out your phone or just get a scratch piece of paper because this is going to be a real boots in the mud type sermon this morning. I hope this is very, very practical for you and that it helps you in your walk with Christ because I think this is a very, very fundamental thing that we need to know as Christians trying to follow Jesus and and trying to listen to God, honestly. So I want you guys to, um, for just a second, just close your eyes. Some of you aren't doing it because you wouldn't. No matter what I said, you wouldn't do it. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine the voice of someone that you love, a significant other, someone that you know really, really well. When I close my eyes, I hear Rachel's voice. It's my wife, not just any Rachel. (laughs) I hear Rachel's voice. And no matter if there were a lot of people talking in this room, I could pick Rachel's voice out of this room. I know her, and she knows me, and I know from the words that she uses, the inflections that she has, however slight they are, her cadence, her volume, all of those things tell me something about what Rachel is trying to communicate to me. Okay, you can, you can open your eyes. That'd be awesome if I'd never said that <laughs> at the end of the sermon. Somebody's just like, man. So here's what I want you guys to know. All of those things tell me something about what Rachel is saying to me. But also, one of the biggest hurdles in our relationship early on was dead silence. So for me, in my family, this is a real thing. If you ain't talking, it's because you're sick or mad. That's it. Like, those are the two options. So if she was silent, I was like, well, she's not sick, so she's obviously mad at me. And so I had to learn that sometimes... With Rachel, silence did mean discontent. But other times, silence with Rachel meant she was simply enjoying the moment of us being together. She was just enjoying it, sitting in that silence. How have I learned these things? How do I know her her inflections? How do I know that silence doesn't necessarily mean discontent? It's in the context of a relationship that I've learned these things. Trial and error and listening to Rachel discerning what she has to say. And this morning, I want to tell you that it's no different than with God. That we, as Christ followers, this sounds so simple, but we have to learn how to hear the voice of God in our life. This is so foundational, so simple. And so I want to kind of go through some very simple things that have just helped me. I just want to give them to you because they've helped me a lot in my walk with Jesus. And uh, all throughout the Bible... We see God speaking to people. He's leading people. He's calling people. He's pushing people. And so who here has ever had the thought of, I wish that God spoke to me the way that he speaks to people in the Bible? Like, have you ever had that thought? For me, it's about three times a day. So I want to submit this to you in John 16, 7. Jesus looks his disciples in the eye and he says this. He says, hey, y'all, this is a Cade Richards paraphrase. I don't think he used y'all, not that I know of. He said, hey, y'all, like, it's better that I'm leaving. Because when I leave, the advocate, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit, is going to come to you. And if we're really, really honest with that, If we're really, really honest with ourselves, none of us believe that. None of us believe that, that Jesus externally is not as good as the internal Holy Spirit. We don't believe that. If I could just be there, like for me, it's like if I could have just walked around with the dude for three years, I think I would have got it. But it didn't work that way for Peter the internal holy spirit did things that the external jesus could never do. and so i want to submit to you that god does still speak to us the ways in which he speaks in the bible. he speaks through his holy spirit, but there's questions that we have to wrestle with and those questions are how does god speak to me? what's my voice and what's god's voice? how am i to listen for the voice of god? So I want to run through kind of a short and simple list of ten ways that I see God communicating to people. And so number one, if you're taking notes, the first way that I see God communicating to people is the audible voice of God. You see this at Jesus' baptism? This is my son whom I love, and I am well pleased with him. I want to be the first to say to you that I have never heard the audible voice of God. I haven't. I wish that I had, but I I just want to be very open with you guys this morning, very real. I've never heard God openly and audibly say to you, Cade Richards, I want you to lead the lines for Christ's ministry. It didn't work that way. But I see this throughout the Bible. Number two is the inaudible or internal stirring. I see this in Romans 2.15. It talks about the law being written on our hearts. That God implants in not just Christians... But all people, this is one of the ways that C.S. Lewis, like, this is why he came to faith. This kind of moral code written on the hearts of men. Where does that come from? I would submit that that's God trying to speak to us as human beings. So number three, we're going to like this one, Church of Christers. Romans 2, this is uh, like a preacher or teacher. I think that God can speak through someone like me or Chris getting up on Sunday morning and teaching an audience like this. You know, Peter in Acts gets up in front of like his fellow Jews, a couple thousand of them. is like, hey guys, uh, I'm speaking for God and I just want to tell you, God was here and you killed him. You blew it. God was speaking through Peter to a community. Here's what I want you guys to see past in this as Church of Christer's. For us, this can't be the only way that we hear God. Think about that in the context of Rachel and I's relationship. If I was like, hey, Rachel, we're going to talk for an hour on Sunday mornings. The rest of the week, that's it. Like, this can't be the only way and the only time that we're hearing from God. So if you're not hearing from God throughout the week, I want to just, just tell you, like, you're missing out on such a beautiful relationship. And that's what it is, a relationship. And I want you to listen because I think that God is speaking to you on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. But you have to be listening. There's other ways that God can communicate. Uh, Number four is a prophetic friendship. And what I mean by that is simply like a very similar situation as Nathan going to David. So King David, he commits adultery with Bathsheba. And then he kills uh, her husband to cover it up essentially. And so Nathan, this guy, his friend, comes to him. He's like, Hey, let me tell you a story about this dude who has a lot of sheep, and he steals his neighbor who's only got one sheep. And he's like, What do you think that we should do about this guy? And David's like, Well, it's pretty clear. Like, you need to kill that guy. He's like, That guy's you. You You stole the only thing that Uriah had. And so, essentially, a friend, a prophetic friendship, someone came to him and said, Hey, The way that you're living is not in line with the gospel. For me, this was Carl Neumeier. Where's Lana? There she is. So it's my friend in in college. Uh, He told me, he's like, hey, man, you commit to a lot of things. But there's something I want to challenge you on. You need to let your yes be yeses and your noes be noes. And that hurt because I knew it was true. But that was Carl Neumeier, my best friend in college, saying, hey man, the way that you're living is not in line with Jesus. Your words don't match your actions. I think that God was speaking through Carl that day. Another one is dreams and visions. Um, I'm thinking of Joseph in Genesis. He, He sees these like, Uh, Big healthy stalks of grain and then these little scraggly stalks of grain that eat the the healthy ones. And the same, he sees like seven cows, I think it is, that are really healthy and plump. And then these really emaciated, scraggly cows that eat the big ones. You're like, well, that's freaking weird. What does that have to do? Well, essentially, God was giving him a vision that there were going to be seven plentiful years. And then after that, there were going to be seven years of famine. And that he needed to get their affairs in order in Egypt so that people could live and that he could be glorified through that. Like you see it in Revelation, all throughout the Bible. You see dreams and visions, and I don't know if this makes you uncomfortable, but I'm just going to talk to you from experience this morning. Um, I totally believe in this that God still communicates in this way. So I'm going to speak for me. I know that I, there's other stories of people that I know that that I could share, but I had a dream um, where I sent, well, you know how the dreams go. It was like. You know, it was my grandma, but she was like a cat grandma, not really a (laughs) grandma. It was kind of like that. It was, there was this pond, it was kind of like my grandfather's pond, but it was also like this pond I really liked on a golf course, and it was crystal clear. And so this is when we were first starting the ministry here, or getting started here at the Lions for Christ. So I was standing about um, knee deep in this crystal clear water, and these two big bass come swimming side by side, and I reached down, and I grabbed two bass with my bare hands. And so I'm holding these bass, and essentially what happens is I'm holding these two bass, my hands are full, and I see all this, like, school of fish coming and swimming by. And so I'm like, oh, shoot, what do I do? So I look over, and there's this fly rod on, like, leaned up against a tree. And so I, like, toss these two fish, and I grab this fly rod, and I go to start casting, and it's completely like, you know, crow's, or, uh, yeah, crow's nest. Is that what it's called? No, Crow's nest. Bird's nest, yeah. So it's it's tangled up, and I can't get it to work. And uh, so I'll, like, spend this, what feels like an eternity in my dream, trying to untangle this knot. And so essentially, I, I or eventually, I get this knot untangled, and I start throwing this bait out there, and I'm literally, like, flinging them back and catching them on every cast. So you can't tell me, I'm, I'm talking... As my experience, you can't tell me that that wasn't from God, because the way that I I interpreted that, along with some people that helped me kind of think through it to see if this was from God, was that this ministry, like, I could only do so much. And the first year, we reached down with our own two hands, with my own two hands, and I really discipled a couple people. But if I was going to reach the campus, if the ministry was going to reach the campus, we had to have more tools. But it was going to be a process to figure out, to untangle the knot of getting all the right things, the right people in place to reach the campus. And so that we would have a great harvest of fish. So for me, there's no way that you could tell me that that wasn't from God. You may not believe that, that God still communicates in visions and dreams, but I think that he does in the Bible. And I think he has with me. Um, The next one is the word of God or the Bible. We like this one, too. Uh, So you see this in Acts where the Bereans, they kind of study, you know, some people go and they they preach to them and they study the scriptures. That's the Old Testament scriptures to see, Okay, is this is this true? Like, are what these people teaching us about Jesus? Is it true? God still works that way. God is still drawing people to himself through the Bible, through the words on the pages of the, of the Holy Bible to communicate truths to people. And so I want you guys to, to continue to do that. But again, it's very similar to like our experience of preaching on Sunday morning. This can't be the only way that God communicates to us. There's so many more ways. Number eight would be uh, Circumstances. These are often like the most difficult to discern, but circumstances you might think of them as open and closed doors. Um, Paul was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go into Asia to preach that's pretty That's pretty intense that God, the Holy Spirit, told Paul, no you 're not going there, so i don't know if if you're needing to hear. Uh, A green light this morning, but you might be needing to hear a red light. Because God might be trying to tell you through your circumstances, you need to pump the brakes. But He might be telling you to knock the door down. Um, That's for you to decide. So, number nine is uh, miraculous. So, I don't know why I thought of this example, but there's this crazy story in Matthew 17 where uh, they're like, hey, should we pay the tipple tax, Jesus? And Peter's like, I don't know, should we pay it? And so they decide to pay it and Jesus is like, you need to go catch a fish. And he's like, why? So he catches this fish, and there's coins in the fish's mouth for the temple tax. That's a crazy, miraculous story. To me, that's like Jesus saying, like, money's not a problem for me. I'll put it in fish's mouths. I don't know, it's like a a punked episode for Jesus. Um, But I think there's miraculous things that have happened in y'all's lives that God is trying to communicate to you through that. Uh, the tenth one, the final one, is creation. Man, I, I, I just, um, it is so incredible when you just stop and look around. Because the way that Romans again puts it is like the invisible qualities of God are, are made known to men through creation. And I think that's so true. Like, I know that doesn't work for all people, but I think that God can communicate to you by simply taking a walk on a trail through the woods. And by looking at the mountains, looking at the ocean, looking into biology, if you want to get, you know, even more in-depth into that. I mean, there's so many ways that that science and and all of those aspects of creation can help strengthen your faith. They're not something necessarily to shy away from. And so, um, the big question after these ten is, does God still speak in these ways? I want to just present a a logical argument to you. So there might be like, hey, kid, I'm I'm down for the Bible, but that dream thing's kind of weird. I want to present this argument to me. It's not snowing in Fort Smith, Arkansas right now, is it? So does that mean it's not snowing anywhere in the world? What do I mean by that? It's not happening to me. So that means it doesn't happen anywhere. That's a simple line of logic that I would love for you to just think about when you're thinking about the ways in which God speaks to us. Just because God doesn't speak to you this way, doesn't mean that's not a way that he communicates still to this day. So um, I want to ask you guys, what, what would be the result of a Christian believing that they follow an unresponsive and unattentive God? Now, I think you can get haywire really fast in a lot of different ways if you believe that we follow an unresponsive God. Some of the things that I I thought of off the top of my head are simply like feelings of sadness and neglect. Anger, unbelief. I mean, why would I follow a God that's not going to talk to me? It's probably because He's not there. Kind of the other end of the spectrum, if we believe that we follow a God that's not speaking to us, how are we going to know like what he wants for our lives? So we could do a lot of things like in the name of this God and it just be simply like us doing what we want to do. We could get into this weird mode of self-reliance, self-dependency, like our little self kingdoms when it has no relation to what God wants, what God is saying to us. So how then do we begin to recognize this voice, discern this voice? I think I'd have to go back to my analogy of Rachel. It's done in the context of a relationship. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to have the Holy Spirit at work within you so that you can begin to discern what God is trying to say. Here are my four tips for that. Number one, the word of God is often weighty. I've never been like in the food court at the mall and been like, Eating a burrito, and, and I hear God audibly say, like, this is my son whom I'm well pleased with. He's destroying this burrito. You know? <laughs> you know, like, it's more weighty than that. You know, should I, like, buy a purple dress or a black dress? I think that when God speaks, it's with more weight than that. It's serious matters. Test that against Scripture, but I think that when God speaks, it has significance. Number two. The word of God is life-giving. What do I mean by that? I want you guys um, to actually do this right now. Think of an area right now that you're struggling with sin in your life. Think about that sin. That's kind of weird, but I want you to picture it in your mind. So in a particular area of sin, God's voice is going to lead you to life. Satan's voice is going to lead you to shame. So if you're hearing a voice that's, you're never going to get over that. You're never going to be good enough. You should never tell someone that because they won't accept you. You certainly shouldn't tell your church family about that. Hide that, suppress that. That's not the voice of God. If you're hearing a voice that says, Hey, you failed me, but get back up. Get back in the game. Repent. Get back in the game. I love you. Get back in the game. If it leads to life, that is the voice of God. So the Word of God is life giving. Number three, it will always be in line with the Word of God. If you're hearing a voice that's like, Hey, Uh, maybe this time I can hate my enemies. That's probably not the voice of God. Yeah, but God didn't really mean these people, like, they're pretty terrible. That's not in line with the word of God. So when you listen for God's voice, it will always be in line with Scripture. And the last one is... It is heard within the context of biblical community. I was chuckling because this is how you get into some like Jim Jones, like cult stuff right here. If God is telling you like these strange, like that you're the Messiah and you should go over and start a compound in like South Texas. I would check that with your friends that are also hearing from, from God. So I think like we have to be in relationship. That's what all this is about. It's relationship with God, relationship with other people, because the word of God, God's voice is heard and tested against other people who are in white hot spiritual community. So a few more tips. Here's here's we're going to go back to like fifth grade English here. Uh, If you guys want to do that, I'm sure you do. That's what you're looking for this morning. Um, So there's a couple kind of statements. One is an indicative and one's an imperative. So what do I mean by that? No, an indicative statement uh, shows a relationship. It indicates something. And an imperative statement simply is a command, right? So you have indicative and an imperative. So why do I bring up indicatives and imperatives? Because when you're listening for the voice of a slave master, if that's all you're listening for, you're never going to hear the voice of a father. Does that make sense? So if all I'm listening for are these commands from God, you're never going to hear, hey, Kate, I'm so proud of what you're doing right now. Kate, I love you. Kate, you're my son. Sitting in that relationship, enjoying that relationship. I often, uh, when I, I've shared this stuff with college students quite a bit, like listening for the voice of God, how do I hear the voice of God? And uh, maybe you should do this. It's kind of a trick, though. It's kind of a trap, honestly. So uh, I tell them, hey, I want you to sit and close your eyes, and I want you to imagine that God is sitting across from you. And I want you to take a few moments to relax, you know. And then I want you to to think about what does God want to tell me right now? So this is something I do very regularly. And nine times out of ten, people, like, I feel like God wants me to quit doing fill in the blank. I feel like God's calling me to move to, you know, Asia or Africa this summer. I feel like God wants me to, you know, whatever. Those are all imperative statements. When all you're listening for are commands from God, you're never going to hear the voice of a father saying, you are my son and I love you. I'm so pleased with you. I want you guys to listen for those indicative statements from God this week. So, perhaps the most important question that I can ask this morning is... um, why do we want to hear the voice of God? If we're listening for God's voice, why do we want to hear Him? Well, I think if I listen to Rachel, like, why why do I listen to her? Why do I want to hear Rachel? Because I want to know Rachel, like, fully. I love her. She loves me. And so when she speaks, I want to know what she's going through. I want to know what she thinks. Like, that is why... I listen for Rachel's voice. It's not so that I can share a cool story up on stage or like, you know, humble brag to my friends that I heard this. What I want to do is simply have the best possible relationship with Rachel that I can have. And that starts with me listening for her voice and knowing what her voice is and what's not her voice. And so it's the same with God. The the point of listening for God is to simply know God. Because God doesn't want your leadership. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your your hard work. More than anything else, He wants your friendship. He wants a relationship with you. And so, if I look kind of in conclusion here at John 10 14, it says, I'll just read it. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So, What is the point of listening for the voice of God? Man, this is just to know Jesus. What an incredible thing that we get to know God in the flesh, the creator of the universe, and that he wants to know us back. How incredible is that? This is such a fundamental building block of discipleship in your relationship with Jesus. So I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. Um, I don't know if you're like me, like, I just got to say this, like, man, I'm not doing great right now. Like, as far as like, I'm feeling spiritually dry. And so you have people, you come into a building like this and they're like, hey, how are you doing? You feel like you have to say good. If that's you this morning, you're like, I'm not hearing from God. I'm not doing that great right now. Like. Please come forward. We have shepherds that will pray for you, people that will love you, because all of this stuff, these struggles have to be dealt with in the context of relationship. Listening for the voice of God is done in relationship with him. So we love you. If you need that, if you'd like to come forward, you can come now as we stand and sing.